live. We are here again on the Life Podcast. I am so excited that you came along for another ride of the Life Podcast with you, boy. Des Oops riding solo dolo today. No special guests, no co-hosts, just me speaking to you all from the bottom of my heart. Here on Life, we like to filter our thoughts through God's thoughts, our views through God's views, and our perspectives through God's perspective. Here on Life Podcast, we walk by faith, not by sight. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a lot on my mind. It's a lot that I want to talk about. So please be prepared. Buckle up your seat because today some will be offended. Some will be liberated. Some will be led into deeper truth. And some will never listen to this podcast again. I'm ready for that criticism. I kind of know that's going to come because we're talking about the precious topic of children. We're going to talk about, remember, on Life Podcast. We filter our thoughts through God's thoughts. And in order for us to do that, we have to turn to God's word to see what God has said about youth. So a little bit of a backdrop. I am a teacher now in the education system. I did three years public school and now it's my first year. Uh, I'll be doing a four year Atlanta Christian school. So I have an eyewitness account on today's modern youth. And um, I, I, it's, it's been on my heart so much more lately than before to just see what God has said about youth and young people, what they need, what they struggle with, their perspectives, how their mind develops, all those things. It's things that I struggle with as a youth that is that's coming back around since I deal with them. So usually I dealt with middle school. So that was like 12 to 14 but now I'm in high school and that's more 15 to 18 range. And it is a difference, but a lot of things are the same uh, between the two. So with that being said, uh, it's a lot that I want to tackle from um, a career aspect, what I saw, and then from what God has said and how these do, how these things line up. And in order to do that, we need to open and turn our, turn our hearts and attention to God's word. Um, and then after that, this is kind of like a prelude into what we're going to do for a series for the next three weeks. So I'll have two times where I'm talking to the youth minister at my church, and then I'm going to bring one of my pastors on and talk about fatherlessness in youth, how that impacts each other. And uh, we're all going to do that through the lens of God's word, word, through culture, what I've seen through our own experiences, and lump it all together into the narrative of scripture and what God has to say. Because God created, God created youth. He created children. They are blessing. They bring us joy. But they also bring us frustration, pain, heartache, temper tantrums. They expose our selfishness. Um, they expose our false ideologies of what children are. They, um, there's so many other things. Disney has made kids to be like they're the best things in the world. But half the time you're correcting them and you're teaching them and you're molding them. And you're trying to mold their hearts for good and not for evil. Um, you want to give you want to give them a plan for hope, not destruction. And that stuff keeps me up at night. It, it really does. So that's what we want to talk about in the podcast today. So I don't know if you're riding to work right now. I don't know if you're in traffic and you're mad. <laughs> this may make you even more upset. I don't know if you're taking a shower. If you are, that is weird to be listening to my voice in the shower. But hey, to each his own. Um, but I'm just so glad that our last video got a lot of good responses from text messages to comments to people I never met before kind of saying, Hey man, I heard your podcast. So that was, that was pretty dope. Um, the Lord has been helping me, um, with pride and not staying, not getting puffed up. So my prayer before I started this podcast was just that the Lord's word would speak to us and that from this podcast, we may receive some Liberty that he may liberate us from the false ideologies or the false doctrines or the false thoughts, or not even false thoughts, but just those things that we can't quite put our finger on when we're dealing with young people. As you listen, remember that you were young at one point. And the church says, amen. You were young at one point and you maybe not even have known what I'm going to share with you today. Um, and in light of that, be gracious uh, to your children, to your children's children. If you're a grandparent listening to this, to uh, children under your influence at church or at school or at work, anything just so we can see how children develop how they think 
and how they need wisdom, discipline, direction in order to get to where they need to where they need to go. So with that being said, let me start with my track as a father now. So I've been a father um, for six, like five and a half years. Um, I came into summer and winter's life when they were about five months um, when me and my wife started dating. And then I've been a father, a biological father for about seven months. It'll be eight months on the 11th of July to Macy Autumn Oots. She is um, wonderful. I love that little girl with all my heart. Um, I put a picture on Facebook not too long ago, asking her, and it was her. It was the cutest picture in the world. And I said, Lord, please keep my heart from idolatry because I love her a little bit too much. Don't put me through an Abraham and Isaac moment. <laughs> I don't know if I can do it, Lord, but I, I love her to death. She brings out the best and worst of me. I've had moments where um, she would not stop crying and I did something that was horrible and I scared her. And I have moments where she looks at me with those big old glaring eyes and it just melts my heart. Um, it's a beautiful experience to take on the responsibility of someone's life. You can kind of understand why God is um, jealous, not not of us, but for us. I got that from Preston Perry, by the way, from uh, Jackie Hill and Preston Perry. He said, you know, God is not jealous about us. But he's jealous for us. And I can kind of feel that with my daughter. I don't want any other man or any other person to take her affection away from me. I'm jealous for her. I'm not jealous of her. I'm jealous for her love. Because what I think I can provide for her through God's help and through his power. So I'm ex I'm excited to be her dad, her daddy. Um, we have a good time. She was kind of clingy to me this week. That never happens. She always wants mommy. If mommy walks out the door, she's losing her mind. That kind of makes me sad. I ain't going to lie. It makes me sad a lot. But... It's just a natural progression of a child. And I had to learn that. But I'm extremely excited to be able to actually form her life and 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 walk, walk her through life, introduce her to Jesus, introduce her to the church, introduce her to the world, uh, protect her, discipline her, um, love on her, joke with her. I'm just excited. I'm just excited. I'm over the hills. I'm also a public school teacher. Well, I was a public school teacher for three years. I just quit and left and went to Lanham Christian um, last April. So I finished out the year there. That was a hard transition. Well, no, I'm lying. It wasn't hard. It actually wasn't hard. <laughs> it wasn't hard at all. Um, I had to make decisions that was best for myself, uh, my mental sanity, and for what I think God has deposited into me. Um, in education, we believe that we're teaching someone truth objectively but some of you are still in education and you can kind of see the tide ways going towards um liberal liberalism and um secularism and that pretty much means people do what's right in their own eyes whatever they think is right not even say think because we we lower than thinking whatever they feel is right that's what they do and education is taking on that persona and now it's just hard. We we don't even deal with absolutes anymore. We're dealing with, um, well, it's about how they feel. It's about how it's going to affect their mental health or the trauma that they face. I'm like, keep it real. All of us face trauma. All of us have had done, have has had things done to us, and we have done thing to, done things to others that caused them trauma. That does not give us an excuse to act the way that we want to act. Yes, I'm pretty old school when it comes to teaching and talking with my uncle and my dad. They say, you know, teachers back in the day knew how to be friendly, but they weren't your friends. Come on, somebody. They were friendly to you, but they were not trying to be your friend. It was just a distinctive marker in the ground that you are a child and I'm an adult. You are to listen to me, respect me and obey me. That's dinosaur now. Now teachers want to be kids' friends. They make TikToks and they make Twitter pages and they dress up silly and they play silly games. I'm not doing that. Now, if a child wants to be around me and they see me as a friend because I'm being authentic towards them, that's different. But if a child expects me to play cahoots with them all day, laugh with them, talk to the what they talk, listen to listen to the things they listen to, uh, yeah, no. I know how much y'all love y'all kids out there. 
Y'all think they're the best things in the world. But you know, behind doors, you tearing them up. You know, <laughs> you know, you see how sinful they are <laughs> behind closed doors. If you was being honest, you know that it's it's tough raising kids. Them bambas think they know everything. My six-year-old daughter, woo-wee, she will argue with you. And I'm not even the one for arguing. But she can take you there for a minute. You, you know, she can speak pretty well. She's pretty articulate. So you got to really bring it. Like, ho, 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 who are you talking to? Who do you think you're talking to? Um, because I find myself going back and forth with her. But they those little those little things. Um, Pastor Pastor Vody Bachman, um, a good pastor, he says, you know, babies, we got a wrong, we got a misconception about babies. They aren't what Disney has portrayed them as. It's this sweet and cuddly, joyful thing. They are. He said, but don't get it twisted. They're vipers in diapers. <laughs> They're vipers in diapers. Um, uh, my seven month Macy, um, she will we'll take a toy from her because maybe she's is sharp or something that she just doesn't need to put in her mouth because at this stage she's putting everything in her mouth we'll take it from and we'll take it from her and she fails flails the arms and cries and hollers at the top of her lungs i'm like for real yeah for real you seven months you know it just proves what david says you know i was i was conceived in iniquity so you didn't have to, i didn't have to teach her how to have a temper tantrum i didn't have to teach her how to how to lose her mind when she doesn't get what she needs or what she feels like she needs. I don't have to teach her anything like that. She just did it naturally. Naturally, because we are of the natural man, our father Adam. Um, so with that being said, maybe that's offended you already, but I'm not I'm not sure. I don't know. Maybe your kids are Jesus, so you don't have to worry about that. But let's just jump right into it. The Bible. Oh, again, like I was saying, I'm sorry. Let me step back. This is a prelude next week or the week after I'll have my youth minister come on and we'll talk about youth in the church, youth in general again. And then well, I'll have one of my pastors come on and we'll talk about fatherlessness and youth and that connection, what that looks like and what the effects it has not only on the culture, but also the church, marriage um, and all those other things. So let's just jump into this prelude, just give a general overall background or overview of what God says about youth. And I'll break it down into about four categories. We got some scriptures and then I'll be out of your hair. So first and foremost, the this is the truth about children. This is what God says about children through his prophets, through his word. Um, generally, generally, the, the Bible defines youth in a more negative light than positive. The Bible generally defines youth in a more negative light than positive. Biblically speaking, the Bible defines youth as selfish, immature, foolish, and destructive. Let me say that again. Generally speaking, the Bible defines youth in a more negative light than positive. Biblically speaking, the Bible defines youth as selfish immature, foolish, and destructive. Now, some of you all are just going to say amen and agree automatically. You'll just say, yep, yep, that's true. That's true. And it is true. Um, you can just look outside your window. You can just go to the local mall. You can just go to the beach or wherever you go where you see a big group of youth, big group of kids. You kind of know some foolishness is going to come about. Now, I saw it every day and I see it every day because I'm in the public school. That's why I took off this summer. I see it every day. Usually um, a group of young people are going to be foolish. They're going to be very immature. And are they going to cause destruction uh, quickly as well? Um, one reason is because I agree with Dr. Martin Luther King. He says, you know, groups are more immoral than individuals. Again, groups are more immoral than individuals. So when you get youth surrounded around each other, it emboldens them to, to take on the persona of the leader. So if the leader is destructive, most of the people follow him going to be destructive. And that's usually the, the, the pattern. Um, I, I'm watching, I'm studying Washington Post, and I'm, I'm listening to Washington Post and reading it, and I'm just seeing day after day in D.C., day after day, youth violent crimes going up and up and up and up and up um and it's just heartbreaking that stuff really breaks my heart you know i hear some people saying so what you gonna do about it what you gonna do about it you ain't gonna go to dc 
there's things that you can do about that. First thing is you go in, you think, I didn't even say pray. You you think through what's some of the causes? What's the root behind this? Why are children so violent? Why do they feel as though death is the only way out of this? Um, one of the Proverbs says, train up a child in the way that you should go. In the way that they should go, so when they get older, they won't depart from it. Um, one of my fr- one of the guys I listen to on YouTube, Corey Miner, he has a page called um, Smart Christian. Again, his name is Corey Miner, and on YouTube, he has a page called Smart Christian, and he breaks down that term from the uh, Hebrew um, variation of it. And what it's pretty much saying is, it's more of a, um, a warning than a command. And the warning is, and you can fact check if you want, or you can go to the Go to his page. I may even link it into this episode. But the way he puts it is that's a warning not to train up a child according to its bent. Because the natural proclivity of a young man in general, and I think, again, truth, when you just look at it um, objectively, you'll you'll kind of hint on it. Maybe not your child, but generally young men are angry, selfish, lazy. Generally, I know that was the story of my life. And I know that's a lot of friends that I have and brothers that's come to Christ since they will testify to that. Now, even the young men I talk to now who have no faith base will agree with that. Angry. Lazy. Selfish. So what God's word is saying is don't teach them according to their bent. But train them up out of that with discipline and wisdom and stealing things in them. That's going to get them out of to be hard workers, to be selfless, to be gentle, to be humble, to show humility, to be a leader and not a follower. That's what the Bible is commanding you. And if you don't, the warning is when they get older, they will never depart from being angry and selfish and lazy. Women are smoking men in college now, going to college, especially black women, killing it, going to college. And that's across every um, ethnic line in a lot of ways. Women are dominating college and even some corporate fields. I don't know why, but it could be a correlation towards laziness. You know, more video games go ramp up, the more pornography ramps up and the more gaming and betting. And now you can be a professional gamer. Like all that stuff does not breed the manhood that once was bred. And I'm speaking from experience. I have to overcome laziness every day in my life because I practiced it for the first 22 years of my life. It's hard. It's hard. You know, Jesus says the way to eternal life is hard, is narrow, and not too many find it. But the way of destruction is broad and many are on it because it's a life of comfort and ease comfort and ease you know um i'm gonna go to my phone real quick give me one second i have five seas of death the lord showed me this a long time ago i have five seas of death here are my five seas of death so i'm a very impulsive guy um but there's also some corrupt the corruption in my heart i label this five seas the things that keep me from moving towards godliness and towards manhood So those five C's are convenience, complacency, complaining, comfort, compromises. I'll read that again. My five C's of death, convenience, complacency, complaining, comfort, and compromises. Anger, selfishness, laziness. It's there. So God's warning is if you train up a child according to its bent, if you train up a child according to their natural proclivity, because remember, Genesis says, you know, God, it, it broke God's heart. You know, the flood came. And after the flood, it's this repeated phrase that, you know, <laughs> every thought and every inclination from youth onward is evil in humanity's heart. From youth forward. Every thought and inclination of the mind is towards evil. It's bent towards evil. My pastor says, you know, it's like a car on a hill. If you put it in neutral, 
and just let the car go, it's not going upward. It's going to go back downward. It's going to go back downward. That's why we need to be born again. And that's why we need a truth against. That's why we need truth for children, because if we know the truth, it can set us free. And now we can deal with the hard stuff and really get in the, really get in the muck and the mire of raising these babies with all the strength that God provides because he provides the strength to get us through. I'm still going through it. And I know I got some older saints that can attest to it. That's why we're going to have them on the show where I am right now. I can see it's hard work. You know, as a farmer, you, you, you plow hard, you plant hard, you in the sun, it's sticky, it's hot, you're irritated, you want to fight, you want to punch the air, you're mad at God, you're mad at yourself, you're mad at your family, you're mad at your spouse. But when that food start growing and you see the fruits of your labors, you look back and say it was worth it. It was worth it. It was worth it. So same thing with children. When you, you really won't see who they're really becoming. Unfortunately, today, about 25, 26 years old, you'll see glimpses. But when they really get out in the world and start making choices about who they're going to marry and the jobs they take and what they're going to do, how they're going to serve the Lord. That's when you start to see all that planning wasn't in vain. It wasn't in vain. And you look up and say, to God be the glory. So I'm, I'm in the beginning. I'm just climbing up that mountain. But some of you all have, are coming down and you're starting to see the rewards or you're starting to see the consequences. And we'll be praying for you with that because there is consequences for not knowing what we're sharing right now. By God's grace, he can restore the years. Amen. All right. So again, the Bible generally defines youth in a more negative light than positive. Biblically speaking, the Bible defines youth as selfish, immature, foolish, and destructive. So I broke this, broke some of these things down into some biblical references about youth in certain categories. So what I want to do now is just give you some examples. And I'm going to try to be very quick with this. Just give you some examples of what the Bible, how the Bible defines uh, youth and what God says about it. So my first point is, if not checked, youthful foolishness can lead to judgment. If not checked, youthful foolishness can lead to judgment. So the first passage I'm going to read um, comes from Isaiah 3. It comes from Isaiah 3. And it's interesting. So God is using in this passage, God is using youth to judge a nation. What? God is going to use the youth of the nation as a judgment on the nation. So in this part of scripture, Israel and Judah in particular is about to get judgment from God because they continue to disobey. God keeps sending them people and they continuously sin and give into their sin and turn against God. So God is about to bring judgment on them. And it's interesting what Isaiah says, how God and in the manner God will bring judgment on them. So this is Isaiah 3, 4. It says, I will make youth, youth their leader and unstable rulers will govern them. Uh, so with youth comes instability, instability. Hmm. The people will oppress one another, man against man, neighbor against neighbor. The young will act arrogantly toward the old and the worthless toward the honorable. These young people these days are so mean. They just so bad and they just no respect. America, should we be opening up our eyes? Should we open up our eyes? Could it be judgment? I don't know. I hope not. I hope not, but could it be? And then let's drop down to 11 and um, 12. It says, woe to the wicked. Same chapter. Woe to the wicked. It will go badly for them. For what they have done will be done to them. Youth oppress my people and women rule over them. My people, your leaders misuse mislead you they confuse the directions of your paths so god is passing judgment on israel he's saying again who's dominating the landscape as judgment is getting passed the youth youths and women in my field of an education which could be a natural thing women dominate because women are just in education for whatever reason maybe they just lean more their bent is more towards caring and caring for children so i'm not all i'm not gonna say that's a judgment but i will say in those schools the young people rule them the young people run those schools most time unless you have a real strong principal administration team um teachers aren't enough a lot of times you need to have that structure from administration if you don't have that then the kids are going to rule the day um if you don't plan if you don't have a plan or rules for your classroom the kids will make something for you and it's going to lead to destruction for sure 
for show. So again, youth, exp- youth oppre- oppress my people and women rule over them. My people, your leaders mislead you. They confuse the direction of your paths. So confusion is coming. And when youth dominate, it's confusion, it's destruction, it's chaos. <coughs> Excuse me. All those things and people are misled. And God is the one sovereignly orchestrating all of those things that's taking place. It's amazing. It's amazing to me. It is amazing to me. So with that being said, that's that's just the first scripture that I have when it comes to youth and judgment. Next, let's go to Romans 1, 28 through 30. So obviously Romans 1 is talking about judgment. God giving the people over to their sins and God, his passive wrath, active wrath. God's active wrath was Sodom and Gomorrah. He's actively pouring pouring sulfur and burning coals on them. He's actively doing the one. God's actually from heaven burning them and judging them. Or you have Egypt when God's actively sending plagues. That's God's active wrath. Or in one part of scripture, you have a young man that's swallowed up by the earth. That's God's active wrath. In the New Testament, um, one way I learned is there's God's passive wrath as if as in God is just letting you do what you want to do. God is taking off his restraint. That's that's meant for kindness and patience. So you'll turn to him. As the Bible says, he's letting that go. He's letting you go your own way. He's letting you do your own thing. That's God's passive wrath. And the worst thing, the worst judgment God can give to anyone is a slow death. Let God make someone make a muck of their life and then comes eternal life or eternal destruction. You know, I heard a pastor say one way that God showed and displays his love for Jacob and his hatred for Esau was God was providentially sovereignly working in Jacob's life. Jacob could not just get away with what he wanted to. Everywhere Jacob turned, if he sinned, God was there dealing with him. God was there just disciplining him. God was there restoring him, encouraging him. But with Esau, have all you want, Esau. Do your thing, man. You want those hills over there? Go ahead. You want those wives? Go ahead, take them. You want your kids? Go ahead, take them. You want to be violent? Go ahead, take them. It's fine. Go ahead, do your thing. God just let him do what he wanted to do. And that's the same thing that happens in our society. That's scary, man. So uh, Romans 1, 28 says, And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they did so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil. Here we go. Disobedient to parents. Why is that lumped in there? disobedient to parents and this is in light of good again in context romans 1 is talking about god's judgment against unrighteousness and ungodliness and he throws in disobedient to parents youth let's turn to first timothy 1 8 is another one first timothy 1 8 first timothy 1 8 and it says but we know that the law is good, provided one is usually uses it legitimately. We know that the law is not meant for a righteous person, but for the lawless and rebellious, for the ungodly and sinful, for the unholy and irreverent, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexual immoral and males who have sex with males, for slave traders, liars, perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. You heard it, those who kill their fathers and mothers. We know that killing is, Jesus taught us that killing is not just a physical act, it's a heart thing. It's hatred in the heart. Last one for this section comes from 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3. This is God's judgment, but know this, hard times will come in the last days for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable slanderous without self-control brutal without love for what is good Uh, what's in there again disobedience to parents it's a part of god's judgment these are three things in context of god's judgment 
and we see children involved and how does it look in a child's life disobedience to parents obviously exodus 2010 tells us honor your mother and father so that your days may so it may go well with you and your days in the land will be long generally speaking if you do those things and we'll talk about what honoring your parents look like later but if you generally do those things your life is extended so god's judgment on land where life is cut short when god's wrath is taking place which means your life is going to be taken from you a byproduct of that byproduct of that is disobedience to parents amen so that's the first section i want to deal with secondly following the advice of youth the dangerous disastrous lifestyle and direction of following a youth advice <laughs> I get ridiculed all the time for this because I said young people have nothing to tell me they cannot give me wisdom and counsel I really don't want to listen to somebody over that's younger than 30 years old I really don't not to say that they don't have anything to say but what I said generally speaking what 25 year old prefrontal cortex it's not even established yet like you don't even know how to make wise choices in a sense like in order for me to listen to you i need wisdom that's why i read the bible that's why i talk to elders that's why i talk to people if i'm struggling with my marriage i talk to people who's been well in their marriage for 25 to 30 years because they probably been through what i've been through even 10 years i'm not gonna listen to somebody who just got married i'm just not doing it you can good for you desmond is not doing that so this next set is we're going to talk about is following the advice of young people. First Kings 12, 1 through 18. It's interesting. I want to read this story to you. It's very, very interesting how this took place. Um, we have the king. We have the king of Israel at this time. His name is uh, Rohabam. Or um, we just going to call him the king because I don't know how to pronounce his name. Rohabam. Right. And he's going to you'll see how him listening to his young people, his young advisors, you're going to see how that turned into judgment for Israel, how that didn't end up, how didn't go well for him. So then the king went to Shechem for all Israel had gone to Shechem to make to make him king. When the uh, when the son heard about it, he stayed in Egypt where he had fled from King Solomon's presence. The son stayed in Egypt, but they summoned him. And the son and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to the king. Your father made our yoke harsh. You, therefore, lighten your father's harsh service and the heavy yoke he put on us and we will serve you. The king replied, go away for three days and then return to me. So the people left. Then the king consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon when he was alive, asking him, how do you advise me to respond to this people? They replied, today. If you will be a servant to this people and serve them, and if you respond to them by speaking kind words to them, they will be your servants forever. But he rejected the advice of the elders who had advised him and consulted with the young men who had grown up with him and attended him. He asked them, what message do you advise that we send back to this people who said to me, lighten the yoke your father put on us? The young men who had grown up with him told him, this is what you should say to this people who said to you, your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it light on us. This is what you should tell them. My little fingers is thicker than my father's waist. Although my father burdened you with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed white barbed whips. So the, so the son and all the people came to the king on the third day as the king had ordered returned to me on the third day. Then the king answered the people harshly. He rejected the advice of the elders had given to him and spoke to them according to the young men's advice. My father made my, made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with barbed whips. The king did not listen to the people because this turn of events came from the Lord to carry out his word, which the Lord has spoken through uh, the Shalonite and to the sun. When all Israel saw that the king had not listened to them, the people answered him. What portion do we have in David? We have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Israel, return to your tents. David, now look after your own house. So Israel went to their tents, but the king reigned over Israel living in the city of Judah. Then the king sent Adoram, who was in charge of forced labor, but all Israel stoned him to death. Then the king managed to get into the chariot and flee to Jerusalem. Israel is still in rebellion against the house of David today. 
Woo! Long story, but did you hear that? Following the advice of folly through young people, through the foolishness of the young people, led to judgment from God and a nation divided. Correspondence there. I see so many parents listening and taking advice from their kids. You see it all the time on TV. You see it in your own life, even your family. You you say, man, I don't know what that lady doing. I don't know what my sister, I don't know what my brother or what my uncle doing with his kids. Kids don't know nothing. They don't. People always say kids are getting smarter. No, they're not. They just have more access to things. If they're getting smarter, why are schools failing so much? Why is there so much mental health? Why is there so much laziness if they're getting smarter? Yes. Do we have advancements? Yes. Should every generation get better? Absolutely. Do I think we have things that have done things that's advanced our culture? Absolutely. Don't take me wrong. But what I am saying is, it's not a thing of one getting smarter or wiser. It's a thing about productivity and what you've been given. But kids was just as smart back in the day than they are now. Wisdom does come in some ways with age. It should. It doesn't always, but it should. But no, like, let's really sit down and think about this. Taking advice for youth led to God's judgment and a kingdom divided. For some other times, if you want to read uh, Proverbs 1, 9 through 19 is really good as well. I'm not going to read it now, but that's a good one as well. Following youthful, youthful lusts. Um, I read a quote the other day that MLB, um, the NBA, and the NFL combined, those are the three biggest American sports leagues, combined don't make as much money as pornography websites. The three biggest sports industries combined, these are billion dollar companies, combined does not make as much money as pornography websites and companies tony evans has a good quote where he says pornography is the true scourge of our land it's dominant it is dominant second timothy 2 22 says flee youthful lust let's go to that passage real quick second timothy 2 22 god says flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord from a pure from a pure heart flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness faith love and peace along with those who call on the lord from a pure heart proverbs proverbs uh 7 starting at verse 6 just listen to this starting at verse 6 He's going to give a story. Solomon is going to give a story of a youth caught in seduction at the window of my house. I looked through my lattice. I saw among the inexperienced. I noticed among the youths, a young man lacking sense crossing the street near her corner. He strolled down the road to her house at twilight in the evening, in the dark of the night. A woman came to meet him dressed like a prostitute, having a hidden agenda. She is loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street. Now in the square, she lurks at every corner. She grabs him and kisses him. She brazenly says to him, I made fellowship offerings. Today have I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you, to search for you, and I found you. I've spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. I perfume my bed with marrows and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love making it till morning. Let's feast on each other's love. My husband isn't home. Oh, she married. Uh oh. He went on a long journey. He took a bag of silver with him and will come home at the time of the full moon. She seduces him with her persistent pleading. She lures him with flattering talk. He follows her impulsively like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer bounding toward a trap until an arrow pisses his liver like a bird darting to a snare. The young man does not know it will cost him his life. Flee, you fool lust it will cost you your life one of my five dangerous seeds is compromise oh boy in that area life doesn't mean always your physical life now it will it could but just your life in general the 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 foundation of your life will be forever cracked by this god can reconcile it if you turn and repent but most don't but your life can literally be fractured and broken through that sin of lust it's so deadly because no one sees it It's not like the drug addict. You see the results of that. 
But with lust, you can hold that thing in your heart and it is crippling you. Now, you could get an STD and people will see that, obviously. But at the same time, that thing right there, whew, you don't want that. You don't want that at all. All right. So now we're going to deal with youthful foolishness leading to death. This was a really good story. I love this story, by the way. Um, it's it's in First Kings. You're going to find. No, I'm sorry. Second Kings is the story of Elijah. Um, I, I, I sound kind of sedated or kind of crazy saying I love this story. But it, but it's interesting. It it it's, it it shows youthfulness at its best. Well, I guess at its, at its worst. Um, I see this all the time with the bickering and the name calling and stuff that I see from uh children all the time. Um, so in Second Kings two twenty three, it says. From there, this is the prophet Elijah, Elisha. He's coming from a battle. He's coming from prophesying and all those type things. And it says, from there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking up the path, some small boys came out, came out of the city and jeered at him. Jeered means like, you, you suck, you big head. You, that's what jeering is. And they jeered at him, chanting, go up, baldy. Go up, baldy. He turned around, looked at them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. Then two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the children. I love this part. From there, Elijah went to Mount Carmel and then he returned to Samaria. They don't even give context on it or the commentary of it. Like 42 kids just got killed by two bears. And it's just like, and then from there, he went to Mount Carmel and then he returned to Samaria. He didn't think much about it. We think way too much about the consequences or the, or the, or the outcomes of children and youths the consequence they have to face no those consequences can bring them back to the lord now in this case they were mauled i don't know if they died but they were mauled they could have been hurt but I, I know at bottom they were hurt really really bad and what does that teach us have a reverence for the elderly and that youthfulness and foolishness does come at a high cost to god god cares about how young people treat older people he really does and he will not let you get away with that god will not allow you to get away with that so that's another story to give god's give give an example of god's uh, righteous judgment towards those things um two more two more and then we out of here youth need wisdom direction guidance and discipline in order to live a well-lived godly life so the aim of parenting for us is to raise a generation that will live out god's word in god's world our job as parents is to raise up a generation in our homes that will live out God's word in God's world. That's what we're trying to do. All right. So youth need wisdom, direction, guidance, and discipline in order to make that happen. Proverbs two, Proverbs two, I'm just going to read that to you. It's not the whole thing. Proverbs two, starting at verse one. Listen to this. It's really good. Good stuff. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up success for the upright. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the way of his faithful followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, and integrity, every good path, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will delight you. Discretion will watch over you and understanding will guard you. It will rescue you from the way of evil, from anyone who says perverse things, from those who abandon the right paths to walk in the ways of darkness, from those who enjoy doing evil and celebrate perversion, whose paths are crooked, and whose ways are devious. Point. Case in point again. Youth need wisdom, direction, guidance, and discipline in order to live a well-lived, godly life. Discipline. Discipline. Why do, what's this discipline we talk about? Let's go to Hebrews 12. This is how God disciplines us. This is how God disciplines us. And this is what we should do with our children. Uh, Hebrews 12, 5 says, and you have, have you forgotten the, the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not take Lord, take the Lord's discipline lightly 
or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Enduring suffering as discipline. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. But what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are Ill illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respect them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share in his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful later on. However, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Amen. Discipline is absolutely necessary for a young kid to have. It's absolutely necessary for a young kid to have. You cannot love a child without disciplining them. Proverbs says that a child, father who does not discipline his child hates him. Again, I might be getting mad. You have parents all the time, man. I just don't want, I don't want to, I don't want them to, I don't want to do to them what my parents did to me. Hey man, look, look, I got you. God showed me this a while ago and I think it fits for now. Bad examples don't take away from good principles. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Proverbs says, don't let your heart become discouraged for their tears, for you will not kill them. <laughs> One pastor says, uh, God in his wisdom gave them extra padding in their butt so they can endure. <laughs> so, no, I'm not saying if, they, if you had a parent who grabbed whatever they can to hit you upside your head. No, that's a bad example of that principle. Horrible example. And they should be punished for that. They should feel bad. They should be guilted into that. That God never directs us to abuse children. Ever, 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 ever should we abuse a child. Never, never, ever, ever should we abuse children. I'm not advocating that. But what I am advocating is to discipline them. When I say discipline, that means it's controlled. It's not done out of anger and you're doing it for their benefit. So it's controlled, not done out of anger, and it's for a benefit. The ultimate benefit is so they can see that you love them and you're pointing them towards God's love for them. That's the ultimate benefit. Again, the aim and goal of us rearing children in this generation is so that they'll live out God's word in God's world. Amen. All right. Lastly, it's a lot of negative, but I did say it's some positive. And here's the hope. Here's the hope. The only hope for children, the only hope for children in our world is that children need to be taught, trained up, and brought to Jesus, the ultimate example of a good child. Children need to be taught, trained up, and brought to Jesus, the ultimate example of a good child. I often like to say in short term, children ought to be taught, not bought. People buy their kids nowadays. They just buy them. They buy their kids, whatever they want, whatever they want, when they want, just so they can stay out their head or so that you can feel good about what you do for your kid. You know, we, me and my wife call it Instagram parenting. You know, you take a picture when you take them out. But, you know, during the way, during the day, you ain't talking to them, you yelling at them, you let them do whatever they want. It's just bad as they want to be. But on Instagram, you present yourself as the best cat, best Best parent in the world. You never talk about your mistakes. You never talk about what you did wrong, how you just slapped them in the face and bust their lip. You never talk about that. But you're going to post that picture at Chuck E. Cheese. You're going to post that picture on their birthday. But we know when you're around, when we're around, you don't care about that kid. We ain't, we ain't fools. We ain't fools. All right. I digress. All right. Exodus 20:12. We already read that, obviously. Um, honor your mother and father so that, you, so that it may go well for you and your days in the land will be long that's a general principle some kids do die unfortunately because we still live in a fallen fallen world so kids will still die early and um, some in the womb some right outside the womb like that's the product of living in this fallen world like all creation is groaning so that's a general principle though if you do honor your parents and again on the later episode we'll talk about what that looks like we'll dig into that a little bit more but the general principle is if you do those things you respect them you honor them you, you give them back the love that they've given you. Generally, it'll go well for you, right? Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 8 is the Shema. The Shema in Hebrew, on, on in the Hebrew uh, tradition, it'll be called the Shema. This is what they will read to their children. And it says, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. 
Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand, your hand, and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your ho- your house and on your city gates. Me and my daughters read that like every day. I kind of fell off of that, but we used to read it every day. They know about heart. That's one of the things that I try to. It's, it's a heart thing. We don't have a head religion. We have a heart religion. Yes, you need to bring your head and intellect. But it needs to work its way down to the heart because that's when it really takes hold when it's in the heart. Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is really good. That is one of my favorite passages. They got so many ministries called Psalm 78, um, but it's really good. It kind of it kind of extends on the same on the Shema. And it says. Uh, my people hear my instruction, listen to the words from my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the path. Things we have heard and known and that our ancestors have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children. But we'll tell a future generation of praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might and the wondrous works of his he has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children so that a future generation children. So that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They would arise and tell their children so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's work, but keep him, but keep his commandments. Then they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. There's a warning there. Teach your child. They may become a Christian. Don't teach their ch- your child. They definitely not going to become a Christian. Again, what is the aim of our parenting? I'm going to keep saying that I'm probably killing y'all, but the aim of our parenting is to send out of a generation of children from our home that carries out God's word in God's world, carry out God's word in God's world. So what does that mean for us as parents? We need to know God's word and how to apply it in God's world. So that's why we need to be studying. That's why we need to be going to church. That's why we need to be under sound doctrine. That's why we need to be reaching out to parents who do it way better than us. That's why we need to be discipling parents that don't do it as well as us. That's why we need to invest critical time into our children's development as a Christian. We need that's critical. That should be high on your priorities list. High on your priorities list. For a man, love your wife. That's going to be your your greatest demonstration of how you love Jesus. And they'll respect you the more for it. Even when they don't like it, when you take up for them and not taking up for her, and you're not taking up for them. They will come to respect you. For a woman, it means respecting your husband, not talking to him any type of way in front of him, not disparaging him, not discouraging him. Not disrespecting him, not talking down to him, but holding him up like Sarah did to Abraham. She even called him Lord. <laughs> Y'all are not doing that. <laughs> Y'all would never do that. Um, ultimately, uh, uh, ultimately, let's go to Ephesians real quick. This is a short passage, real short passage. This is a practical way we can we can live this out. Ephesians six one through three tells us. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 tells us, children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you will have a long life in the land. So that's the command to child, to children. Obey. Obey. Husbands love, wives submit, children obey. Husbands love, wives submit, children obey. Children obey. Amen. So bringing us to the close, I think we about to be about to hit that hour mark, guys. I really appreciate y'all. If you like this, please let me know. I really appreciate the comments and the feedback. I need it. Um, so ultimately, what does this point to? No child is good. Not one. None of us do good. No, not one. Jesus said it. Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. Jesus is the epitome of a good child. These last two verses. Um. Matthew 19, 13, Matthew 19, 13. This is what it reads. This is what it reads. Then little children were brought to Jesus for him to place his hand on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, leave the little children alone and don't try to keep them from coming to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Bring your kids to Jesus, ladies and gentlemen, bring them to Christ. Don't be scared. They may reject it. Matter of fact, they're going to reject it. 
Some later than others, some may come sooner than others. I don't know. That's God's sovereignty. But bring them to Christ. Let them know what Christ has done for you. Let them know the thing the mighty acts God has done for you, mainly salvation. He took you from the kingdom of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of light. He opened your eyes from darkness to light. He sent his son to die for you. He, he delivered you from the kingdom of Egypt, darkness, loneliness, and, and addiction, and pain, and grief. He transferred you into the kingdom of light with self-control, and joy, and love, and maturity, and fellowship and, 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 and just overwhelming peace. That's what he's done for you. Your children need that. They grown up in a world that you didn't grow up in. Their world is much harder. Remember we read earlier, difficult times going to come ahead. So their, their world is in some ways much harder. It's not as simple as it was for us. A boy was a boy and a girl was a girl. That's not what they grown up in. Tell them, teach them these truths. Tell them about who God is so they can combat it. Because again, the major thing for us as parents is to raise a generation that we can send out from our homes to live out God's word and God's world. Amen. The epitome of a good child we see in Isaiah 9, 6. God promises his, his son. God promises his son. And this is what is described by his son. This is Isaiah 9, 6, the great promise. For a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Again, for a child will be born for us. A son will be given to us and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is the good child. Everything in Proverbs points to Jesus. Anything that was good in it is Jesus. Jesus is the good child. Point your children to him. So there is hope for children. God, the son, came incarnate through the womb of a virgin. He was born as a baby, raised, lived a godly life. He grew in stature and people liked him. He grew in character and love and joy with his father. He lived a perfect life. He sacrificed. He died. He submitted. He obeyed. He lived for others. He gave it all for his people. He gave it all for his bride. He became a man, strong, tender, humble, meek. Teach your children these things and point it to Jesus. And you be a good example as well. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So even though I'm talking about children, I'm also talking to parents. Let us live a life. Children are to follow people examples. Let us give them something to follow. Jesus is the ultimate hope. Jesus is the ultimate hope for children. He was born for us. God gave him for us. He came and lived for us and he died for us. And he's resurrected for us so that we can have hope. So the same hope children need is the same hope we need. Here at Life, we love to support people and give hope through God's word. Again, here on Life Podcast, we filter our thoughts through God's thoughts. We filter our views through God's view. We filter our perspectives through God's perspectives. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I love you all so much. Um, I hope you take this and share it with other people who may have children. And I pray that we may uh, be a blessing to you all. Again, next week or the week after, because I'm going on vacation, we're going to have my youth minister come on. We're going to talk more about youth in detail, and then we're going to cover the the balance between fatherlessness and youthful um, crisis. So hope you look forward to that. Um, this is going to be on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts from. If you can subscribe or like it, that would be great. If not, even if you just listen to it, I'm fine. Just one person listen to it, I'm fine. I appreciate I appreciate you guys so much. This is the Life Podcast, and it's your host, Dolo Solo Dolo. There's Oops. Love you all so much. Peace.